This was a vision. I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Look, the world is full of these kind of things. Black masses, mutilations, mutilations. The incubus, the succubus. I'm telling you, we got to go down to the religious supply store. we got to get ourselves a couple of gallons of holy water. My cousin Jerry's a priest. He can get us a deal. Do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Hey, once they get in here, it's over, pal. Trigger warning. This podcast may include explicit content that will take you out of your comfort zone and make you question reality. Listener's discretion is advised. Good evening, my fellow Creepsters. On today's episode, Brian, Jason, and I will be investigating, as the title suggests, the mysterious death of the Master of Macabre, Edgar Allan Poe. Most people recognize Poe by his famous poem, The Raven. Others may have read one of his more popular dark and creepy tales, like The Fall of the House of Usher, or The Tell-Tale Heart. Poe wrote quite a few gothic stories about murder, revenge, torture, the plague, being buried alive, and insanity. Many modern books and movies have borrowed ideas from Poe. Some of Poe's stories were not well accepted in his day because people were simply just not ready for them. They were too scary, and boy do I understand that concept. But the mystery surrounding Poe's death has led to many myths and urban legends. The reality is that no one knows for sure what happened during the last few days of his life. Did Poe die from alcoholism? Was he mugged? Did he have rabies? A more detailed exploration of Poe's death will be discussed in today's episode. Now, the full version of this episode can be enjoyed on the Cosmic Peach Patreon by checking in to room 237. And it's never too late to make your reservation. I would love to see you over there. And if you're interested in joining the Patreon, you can make your reservation by clicking the link in the show notes, either by my website or the direct link to the Patreon. And before we roll right into the episode, I do have a few new five-star reviews that I would love to read for everyone. The first comes from Scamella, entitled Cosmic Fire, five stars. And it says, Julia has the best all-around podcast in the game. Her topics are so diverse and keep me on the edge of my seat. I always look forward to the next episode. Keep it up, girl. You're killing the game. Thank you so much. I absolutely love the review. And the second comes from 
Ammer Lee entitled New Favorite Podcast, Five Stars. And it says, I recently found this podcast and love it. She covers topics that are new to me and brings new info and perspectives to topics everyone else has covered. She's very personable and funny and has great guests. I'm currently going through her back catalog. Love Cousin Brian episodes. Oh, yes. And how perfect. Because we have Brian Jason on once again tonight. And this was an absolute pleasure to record. So fun. A little bit more lighthearted, but the info is dynamite. So I know you're going to love this. Without further ado, let's jump right into the episode. everyone thank you for joining us for another episode of cosmic peach podcast i have the legend brian jason on tonight and you all love when brian joins us for thought-provoking episodes and this one is no different but it is a little bit more on the light-hearted side as far as missing children and uh cold cases go this one's pretty uh, popular, It's, but we won't get into that. Let's first introduce our guest, Brian Jason from the Cleveland Schwill Podcast. How you doing? I'm good, Cosmic Peachinots. Good <laughs> to see everybody. I uh, or, or hear your voices you know, and see our faces now that you're doing the YouTube, so that's all good. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm doing great. Uh, I just did a ridiculous challenge, and I and I'll throw this out there to your listeners to see if they're interested in torturing themselves or if they think you're insane. Yeah, I want to. I want to. This is for the sadists. This is for the masochists out there listening. I I just did this four by four by forty eight challenge, and it's a David Goggins challenge. For those who know who he is, he's like a he's more of like a. Uh, motivational influencer i would say former navy seal and you walk or run four miles every four hours for 48 hours and then when you're done you have done 48 miles and i did 28 of those miles yesterday so i started trying to walk around and i was like good god man what did i do to myself is that why you're sitting on an ice pack (laughs) (laughs) oh god yeah so that's what i've done you trying to build your glutes brian oh no i don't need to build them they're they're immaculate right now (laughs) if they got bigger they'd look if my butt got bigger it'd look odd you know what i mean you're not going for the cardi b no i'm not gonna do a cardi b i'm just gonna be me Oh boy. So yeah, that's what I did. That's what I've been up to. Um and have I'm excited you, uh, about 
gotten any messages about our Johnny Gosh episode? Because I know that uh, a lot of people on the Patreon were reaching out to me and they were giving me some of their theories. And like that one, I think that people like you always say fill in the blanks. Oh, yeah. And they just take the information that we have and they come up with their own uh, theories, uh, Frankenstein theories, as you say. But on this topic that we're talking about tonight, I think I've reached a pretty sound conclusion. (laughs) Well, that's great because we've been waiting a couple hundred years for this. (laughs) We've been waiting a couple hundred years for this moment. I think the Edgar Allan Poe mystery, as we get into it and your audience, uh, well, I think they'll gobble it right up because it, it is really interesting. Um, just the life of Edgar Allan Poe is interesting. I know. I, know. I mean, we, we're not going to do a biography, but I did kind of want to even like sl- s- take a small second to talk about a little bit of his life. He only lived like 40 years. Yeah, I did too, because even everything leading up to his death, you know, it the way that he died too, which we won't get into right now, is kind of like an amalgamation of his poetry and stuff. The macabre. Yeah, a lot of people so, say that, yeah. Yeah, so it was just like, wow, damn, how fitting, I, I guess. Know. Well, and, you know, he kind of was a pioneer in the detective mystery type stories, you know, and I know after that, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle started writing the Sherlock Holmes books and used Poe as an influence and things like that. So they said it was very fitting and some people would take some of his stories and kind of make their own theories out of the stories about how he might have died. but. This is a mystery, guys, and uh, as you go and start to do your own research on this one, I would love to hear your theories because there is, it's wide open, and it, <laughs> it is wide open. I mean, and it's, it's another one of these rabbit holes where, you know, once you jump in, you're going to find another tunnel and another tunnel and another tunnel and it just keeps you branch, feel branch. like you've reached a conclusion. I want to know that before we get into it, because this might be a Jack the Ripper 2.0, and we may okay. have the battle. All right. Well, unfortunately for me, I have to speculate, but I think my speculation is a little different. It's probably something that I, I think it's going to open other people's eyes up to other possibilities. Let's just put it that way. So, okay, so it's Cosmic Peach versus Brian Jason from the <laughs> Cleveland Schwill podcast, Edgar Allan Poe. Here we go. <laughs> All right, do you want to do your um Brian Jason thing and talk about his life a little bit? Yes, I do. I okay. do. I already have all the, notes. The, I have all the notes up already. I have okay. them all ready to go. Sometimes I'm like shuffling. I've learned to digitize some of my notes now because mm-hmm. I was like, for your information, everybody out there, I have like 72 pieces of paper in front of me most of the time. Like it's <laughs> 1974. 
and I'm over here trying to like <laughs> like looks like uh, Nicholas Cage and National Treasure over here. I'm like, is this written in invisible ink? And then I'm trying to figure out what the hell I wrote. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I I got this, but just real quick. So he's born Edgar Allan Poe is actually born in uh, 1809, January. And his mother and father, who were both actors, and by the way, everybody, there was no television or movies back then. It was the, these actors are just theater actors, okay? Mm-hmm. But they die when he's three years old. And he, he goes off to Richmond, Virginia. And uh, this guy that he was living with, uh, I think his name was John Allen. He's this prosperous tobacco exporter. And he ends up sending Poe to these boarding schools that were kind of expensive, but doesn't really supply him with a lot of money. Like, even though the dude's worth a little bit of money, he doesn't supply him with that much money. And I think part of that was because Poe was always getting in trouble with gambling. And then he starts racking up gambling debts. And this is just while he's in boarding school. So Poe was going hungry and he was just having all kinds of trouble. And and I think later on in their life that caused a little falling out between the two of them. Um, But so he, he, in 1827, Poe moves to Boston and he enlists in the army. And uh, that's when he kind of starts doing some of his poems. And, uh, I even think he got published around that time. Like some of his first published works. He published his first collection called Tamerlane and other poems, but he wasn't going by Edgar Allan Poe yet. They were actually published under George Bostonian. It says a Bostonian. Yeah. George Redway was the name I think he used. Yeah. so mm-hmm. I think he was kind of testing the waters at first, and then he finally came out with his full name. Okay. Um, but nothing really got too much attention at that time, but he did get published. And uh, so he's in the military academy um, shortly after that, but uh, he's forced to leave because he's got no freaking money. He's had the fallout with uh, Alan and, uh, you know, so he's like, all right, I'm going to, and this really kind of starts shaping where his life goes from here. Cause so he moves into the home of his aunt, who's named Maria Clem. And she had a young daughter named Virginia, and this is in Baltimore. So, uh, for those who don't know, I, I think it's kind of obvious to most people, but the Baltimore Ravens football teams named after Edgar Allan Poe's poem, The Raven. Mm-hmm. And they all have that little statue of them and they talk about that. But I just wanted to bring that because, you know, they put the claim on Edgar Allan Poe in Baltimore. Yeah. So uh, that's Zachary's favorite team. That's like his <laughs> team. And so I think that's. That's actually- the team that robbed Cleveland of their fucking team. Wait, I'm not going to get worked up about it. This isn't a sports show. We don't care about them. You'll have to go. You have to go at it with him because I'm I'm Switzerland. I don't have a team. Yeah, <laughs> but, I know. 
I don't really have a team either. That well, I love the Cleveland Browns, but I don't, I don't actually get that. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> well, they're losing Lamar Jackson. Nan, nan, a boo boo, stick your head, poo poo. Go ahead and tell him I said that. Okay, I'll tell him. I'll he'll tell be him. so. He'll be thrilled to hear that. He will All not. but that's actually kind of cool because there was the john cusack movie called the raven oh i forgot about i don't know if i've ever seen that but i I, I remember it i remember it Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah so he go so baltimore take uh you know they put the claim to fame on uh edgar Allan poe and uh but he moves into his aunt's house. Now this is significant for several reasons, everybody, but he moves into his aunt Maria Clem's house and she has a a young daughter named Virginia. Now Poe actually starts to sell stories around this time. So we're looking at about 1835. Uh, So he's a young guy still. I mean, what, 24, 25 years old. And he gets to be an editor of a thing called the Southern Literary Messenger. But this is in Richmond, Virginia. Remember. Um, So this is where he moves with his aunt and cousin, cousin Virginia. In 1836, he marries Virginia. Okay, now I'm going to just say this. And don't skip over any of the gory details (laughs) (laughs) now we know virginia is his cousin first cousin first cousin (sighs) (laughs) he's been living with her for a few years and she's at the ripe old age of 13 What a sicko. Oh my God. I mean, I'm sure they had a lot in common. Yeah, because, you know, 10 year olds love poetry. They love poetry. Um, They like to go outside and breathe air. They drink, they both drink water. (laughs) They wear clothes. They share they, family members. They they both like cousins. Um, <laughs> that's an important detail. Um, and it's you know they but I mean there's there's Jerry love in a family Lee and Lewis then there's vibes. love in a family. You know. Didn't that remind you, of Jerry Lee? Yes. That? Yes. Because he it married did. his like thirteen year old first yes. cousin too. Yeah. Hmm. Guess it's an artist thing. I'm I must not understand. No. <laughs> Be glad you don't understand. You said no. <laughs> there, you know, hey, in his defense, you know, there wasn't Tinder. You couldn't just find people <laughs> in nowhere the whole time, you know. Uh, church was far away. Mm. Uh, there wasn't a Walmart store to just go and and check somebody out while they're looking at the apples. You got to go, you got to, you know, they developed a relationship being so close to home. He was lighting candles. She's lighting candles. It was romantic. It was great. Um, unbelievable. So, right. so, <laughs> God. 
So he ed he edits these. Uh, oh wait, make sure I don't stick, skip over anything. So he's he's so he's not just writing; he's doing a lot of editing, and uh, it's literary journals mostly, like things like uh, Gentleman's Magazine, Graham's Magazine, Broadway Journal, which is in New York City. That'll kind of come into play later. And it was during these years that he establishes himself as uh, a writer and an editor. And uh, so we know a lot of his uh, more famous poems. This is when this kind of stuff starts getting written, like The Fall of the House of Usher, The Telltale Heart, The Murders in the Rue Morgue, and The Raven. But here's what's kind of a little messed up. So we are going, you know, we fast forwarded through a few years. This is 1847. And young Virginia, who was 13 when they married, she, she, I think she died at like 26 or 27. She dies of tuberculosis in this year. Uh, 27 a, Club. Maybe. I can't remember if that's the exact age she was at when she, she did. Um, and so they say, you know, his struggle with depression and alcoholism worsened. And he returns to Richmond. Sets out for a job in Philadelphia. He stops in Baltimore. And on October 3rd, 1949, or I'm sorry, 1849, he's found in a state of semi-consciousness. Dies four days later of what is called, quote, acute congestion of the brain. I think they called it phonitis or something or mm -hmm. rhinitis or something. I have to, I have to look that up. I can't remember, but they had a particular term they used for like brain swelling or something at that time. It's not really used anymore. And that that's what I said on my notes is it, the newspapers at the time reported post death as congestion of the brain or cerebral inflammation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't want to talk about any of the speculation, even of a, at the time or now, about what they think it could have been. Uh, we can go into that as we move forward. Uh, but that's a little synopsis of his life, right? It's a short life. He's like, he died at 40. Right. Um, but I do think that an interesting fact, when he is found, I, I you know what I should... Uh, on another portion of my notes, I actually wrote um, what the person who found him, what he he claimed, like at that time, like like his the, testimony. Yes, okay. I don't know if you got that. I uh, think I may have. I know I wrote just a slew of things down here. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring this up. This is what, the, so the date's October 3rd, 1849. A guy named Joseph W. Walker. Uh, he's heading out of Gunner's Hall. Now, here's what's interesting. This place is going crazy at this time. It's like bustling with activity it, because it's an election day. All right, everyone, the rest of this episode can be enjoyed on the Cosmic Peach Patreon. 
along with other bonus content. Now, what you're going to get over on Patreon is taking your Cosmic Peach experience to a whole new level. The subscription is called Room 237, and it is 7 bucks and 11 cents a month. That's right, 7-Eleven, y'all. Now, this subscription is an all-inclusive resort, if you will. There's no levels to this shit. If you subscribe, you get it all. Bonus content, extended versions of documentaries, and full versions of episodes, ad-free content. Julia Rants, 10% off code for Cosmic Merch, holiday specials, messaging and conversations with yours truly, horror movie breakdowns and commentary, and whatever else I'm in the mood for. Posts, videos, maybe a playlist of cool songs to check out, cool movies and TV shows. It's just a little bit more personal. So there is only so much I can say on YouTube and Instagram or even on here without getting shadow banned or content getting straight up removed, fuckers. So in order to continue bringing you the cosmic fire, I would like to provide the option of an exclusive and more in-depth coverage of my research. I am humbled and grateful to be a part of your journey towards finding truth. Patreon just allows me to connect with you on a more personal level. So go on over to the Patreon. The link is in the show notes if you would like to subscribe. And thank you so much. I hope to see you over there.